You're listening to Signal to Noise, part of the ProSound Web Podcast Network, proudly brought to you this week by the following sponsors. The new Allen & Heath CQ Series is a trio of compact digital mixers for all kinds of applications, from musicians and bands to small venues and AV installers. The CQ Series places ease of use and speed of setup at the heart of the user experience. RCF, who has just unveiled their new TT Plus audio brand, including the high-performance GTX series line arrays and the GTS 29 subwoofer. Be sure to check it out at rcf-usa.com. That's rcf-usa.com. Rational Acoustics, manufacturers of Smart, the industry-leading acoustical test and measurement software platform. Rational Acoustics, rational people, smart products. I wish I could break free. Hey, welcome to Signal to Noise on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andy Levis. With me is my co-host, the one and only Sean Walker. What's up, y'all? What's up? What have you been up to, Sean? Uh, you know, same old, same old. Wife's 40th birthday and then paperwork and coffee. That's how, right, that's okay. how it goes around it's- here. Right, right order priorities, though. Although I would have yeah, done yeah. the coffee before the paperwork, but God, you know, I'm not going to judge. Before, during, yeah. and after. Just okay, always, good. just constant. Just make, making fresh sure pots, we got the priorities dude. in order there. Constant fresh pots around here. Yeah. Any, any good gigs uh, the last week or so? Uh, we've been rocking gigs for a client of ours that does what uh, some other homies of our do. We've been doing uh, homecomings for some clients. Right. Homecomings. We got, oh, we got right. one client yeah. that's like a production company that just does basically homecomings and LED wall. And so they needed a bunch of extra audio this week or these last nice. few weeks. Yeah, and sure. That, that, that explains what all the noise coming from the high school down the block from me was the other day. Now yeah, that right. I think about totally. it, it all makes so much more sense. Yeah. 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 hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I've been rocking. So the performing arts center where I'm sort of the like de facto house, a one right now, uh, we had like our opening concert series a few weeks ago. And then I uh, was out with COVID for a week. Right. Uh, they, that was cozy. I bet they, it was. They they paid me to stay home for five days though, which was unexpected and awesome. So props nice. to the Perlman Arts Center. I I appreciate that. It's very rare as an overhire uh, stagehand to to get sick pay like that. So that was oh fantastic. yeah, dude, that's killer. Uh, yeah, and then um and yeah, and then we were there. We just did an opening series of uh, like one night only solo concerts with uh, we had one night with the Chance, one with Brian Stokes Mitchell, and uh, last night was a sold out audience for Ben Platt. Cool man, how the, fun. Yeah, and for the theater nerds among us, it was the first time that Ben and his fiance Noah Galvin, who is also a former Evan Hansen, uh, had sang together in public. Because Noah came out and did a duet of a song from Chess, which was pretty awesome. Cool, dude. And you um, begin to beat the brakes off that new PA you designed and that Rivage rig yeah. down there, right? How's that been yep, going? Yep. Fun? That's yeah, good. Yeah, that's it's the DMB, the PM5. It's you know been playing around with some vocal chains on the on the Rivage this week, uh, or like. Stokes was, I, I tried like the portico chain on it and, and then quickly discovered that wasn't really right for his voice. So went to the old classic 1176 2A, which was chef kiss. Yeah, right. Sweet. Um, and then, and yeah, trying out some new mics, some old mics. Finally got the the Bayer 420N that I had the other week on a hi-hat. And yep, I'm now using a vintage obscure dynamic mic as my go-to hi-hat mic. And it's pried out of my cold dead hands. That's a very on brand for you, Andy. Very on brand uh, yeah, for the kind yeah. of nerd you are, sir. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. I I I've distinctly been allowed to have suggestions for the mic list for what the venue is going to stock with, but I was not the one asked to make the list because my tastes are a little <laughs> obscure and exotic and 
<laughs> less rider friendly. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, but uh, yeah. So Andy, then, those uh, mics haven't been made since 1947. What am I going to do with that? How would I find them? Oh, just uh, yeah. reverb, eBay, something, you know, you can yeah. do it. <laughs> They're like, no, yeah, man, I mean, we're no, going to find something still made this year. Thanks. Yeah. No, most of them are just, it's like the, how many earthworks do you want us to buy? And are those rider friendly? Although those are in the category of they don't appear on riders because people assume they won't get them. Yeah, yeah. But if they're not on the rider, they'll be happy to have them. And if they haven't heard of them, they're usually, well, I'll listen to them. And as soon as they hear them, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, use those. So. Yeah, I don't feel like at any time you show up with Earthworks and people are like, you know what? Hard pass. I, you know? <laughs> I'm, I thought everybody knew them as overheads. And then I've like had a couple of people be like, what are those overheads? Those sound amazing. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think I've converted a few folks and I swear I'm not shilling for them that <laughs> I'm not on Earthworks payroll. I'm, I'm just a, just a fan human. Um, there you go. But before we get, get too I had the far, same, uh, oh, sorry, go go ahead. Ahead. I didn't mean to cut no, you no. off, dude. No, no, it's all good. Oh, I was gonna say, I had the same experience, uh, when I put DPA 4011s over a drum kit and I was like, oh, that's the jam. That's where, that's yeah. where we live now. These 414s are retired like a mug, dude. Yeah. That, that <laughs> Yep, those like DPAs in a piano. It's like I'm never going back. Yeah, no, um, totally. Especially now they yeah. get the little like the cool mounts. You can just like boop boop two little magnets thing done. Sounds magnets great. You're magic. like yep. cool. No more gaff tape bridges in my life. Like killer. Right. I'm into oh, it. Oh god, the sound of a 414 slowly sending <laughs> its way onto the strings. <laughs> so, so, Lindsay, who we're gonna introduce in a couple of minutes, is in there shaking his head. <laughs> Pretty soon, the hammers are just hitting the freaking microphone. You're yeah. just like, I mean, oh. it's a really cool reverb sound if you're going for that, but. That first time you hear it, you're like, what the <laughs> F is that? Uh, you just listen to it. You're oh like, no. shoot me in the face, dude. It's yeah, a good thing no. there's only 10,000 people watching. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. D- discovering <laughs> discovering the little like Pedco, sw- like double swivel clamps was life changing in those yeah. days. But the magnets are great. Uh, before totally. we get too deep into, into microphone masturbation hour, though, we should introduce our guest host because uh, Katie's out at a CFX while we're recording this. Which, um, so I. Yeah, she left us. Yeah, she'll be back though. They Thank always God. come back. Um, wow, wow. There's got to be some talent around here. It can't just be you and me, dude. Uh, we need well, her to well, like keep well, the bar that, high, bro. <laughs> and on that note, that's why I brought a friend along this episode. Thank you. Yeah, a very old friend of mine, Ian Denio. Ian, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? We're. I'm good. So Ian is another uh, theater sound person and is a frequent uh, collaborator, co-conspirator, unindicted co-conspirator with our guest this week. Um, oh, yes. Many, many times. <laughs> yeah. All the times. Yep. And, um, but we know, we go back a long ways. Uh, we originally met around a bunch of nearly naked people. Um, oh, nearly naked uh, people. Yeah. That sounds so, like a swing and a miss. Nearly I, naked? I, Fail. You know, I mean pasties. But um, yeah, there's, um, for those not in the theater community, uh, there's an organization called Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. That raises money for um, originally for AIDS research, care of folks with AIDS, but now also a whole swath of like health issues and people in need in the in and around the entertainment community. And one of their big fundraisers every year is a thing called Broadway Bears, that is a big, heavily choreographed uh, strip show that I, when I was working it for many years as a volunteer, referred to as annual feel miserable about my self image day because ah. these are the. That's every day for us. I mean, yeah, but like these are like, you know, down to like underwear and pasties, like Broadway dancers in the most immaculate physical shape of all time. And I'm I'm in shape. Round is a shape, Andy. Round round is a shape. Round is indeed a shape. 
But yeah, yeah it would have been like, I don't know, maybe like <laughs> 2010 or so, I think. Back in, oh, this yeah. was when it was still at Rose at Roseland, which doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. And back in the, and like the whole, the whole rigs like donated and like thrown together very quick. It was like, it was, that was back in the day of like, you know, the, the bins full of DV dosk pins and VDOSC pins and wait, which angle did you want? Shit, find me more of those like two degree pins. Crap, were there? <laughs> or, or plates. Um, and because, because it was whatever wasn't out on shows is what they would donate to us for the, for the week. And a big pile of comm shows up and the folks in charge are looking around like, we need, we need, it's not glamorous. We need somebody to do comm. And like, Ian and I quickly got eyes and we're like, calm, calm, great, cool, let's do calm. And for sure. like three or four years going, we were like the calm army on the show. Not to be confused with the communist army, different thing. No, no, not the communist and, army. Yeah, and, I, and like we've been fast friends ever since. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ian, do you want to give us like a little just quick background on yourself outside of that? Oh, dear. Um, I... I mean, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I can do it, but... <laughs> Um, I'm a, a theatrical sound designer with a focus in um, straight plays and effects creation. Uh, uh, I do composition and foley art is my is my go to. Um, uh, but I've for the last oh dear five to seven uh, many years um, <laughs> I've been associating and assisting for wonderful designers, including the masterful Lindsay Jones, who's upcoming here. Um, and that seems like a perfect opportunity to, to maybe introduce him or, or, did, or did you have more you wanted to? No, that's great. I think it's wonderful. Lindsay, come out yeah, and play. So why don't we, why don't we dive right in and bring Lindsay in and those who are, so so our guest this week is the one, the only, the inimitable, the John Malkovich doppelganger, Lindsay Jones. Hi! Uh, okay, so Lindsay is a composer, sound designer, um, often gets aggressively mistaken for John Malkovich. Yeah, frequently. Um, aggressively. A, a, uh-huh. Yeah, there's maybe we'll get to some of those stories. We will. What do you oh, mean, yeah. maybe? Obviously, we're going to start there. <laughs> I mean, look at the look at his face. He's ready, uh, he's, he's ready he's to like, stab us in the eyeball for bringing it up, yeah. dude. We're going to start right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where did Because I, I feel like I remember when this started, like the first, because if you're friends with Lindsay on Facebook, like is, I don't know if you call it a rock and tour when it, when it's on Facebook, but Lin, like Lindsay's, like if my Facebook feed were all just Lindsay's stories of the weird shit that happens to Lindsay, Facebook would be such a better place. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, social media has been helpful for me in terms of being able to expose people to what I go through. But the thing is, is people are like, wow, your life really got crazy there. And I'm like, it's always been like that. I just write it down now. Before that, <laughs> it was still like that. So, Not any crazier. Yeah, it's still happening all the time. But where did this begin? Like, do you do you remember the beginning of of John Malkovich doppelganger time? So, I want to start off by saying that I don't look like him. Okay, like I don't actually. Okay, Sean's, look like Sean's him. the one who's never met you before. So, Sean Jury says, I would not have thought he was John Malkovich on the street. But now that you've said it. I can totally like see what you're talking about. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't unsee it now that it's said, but I would not have like 180 in the street and been like, yo, John, what's up, bro? You know what I mean? I know he's, 
I, I want to start by saying he's 15 years older than me. Okay, so he is legitimately okay, like so I'm now old. You've but he's somebody really, else and 15 years older, and you're just a jerk now, bro. You're just like that's all just the mean. Time. It's yeah. just mean. It is. But you know the thing is, is that <laughs> people have a visual of John Malkovich from his most successful movie roles. You know, so they look at him in like Con Air. You know, and then they're like. Oh, he must look like that. Not understanding that perhaps he too has physically aged since that movie came out. They don't they don't process that. So even though I'm 15 years younger than him, because I am now of the age that he was when he made those films, people are like, that must be him. And I'm like, he's old and I'm not him. Um, <laughs> but it's it's complicated because, okay, there are two reasons why it's complicated. Number one, people think that I'm him and when I say I'm not they believe that I'm lying to them they think I'm trying to get out of it like I'm not like I don't want to be caught right and no amount of explanation will fix that the second thing is <laughs> there's somebody I don't know who it was but several years ago on Wikipedia somebody cracked John Malkovich's Wikipedia page. And for several years, at the bottom of John Malkovich's Wikipedia page, it says there was a final line that said, sometimes he travels under the alias of Lindsay Jones. Like it was on his page. No. Andy, you son of a oh, bitch. No. I know that, that was you. One did, that one I did not do. I've, I've done other other Wikipedia edits for jokes, but that one I cannot look Lindsay, you know to good and well that was Andy, huh? You know, no, good I, and well. I, no one has ever laid claim to no, it. Lindsay knows me well enough to know that I would cop to it. Yeah. I would live a couple of years, but I would eventually cop You'd make to a it. QR code to that mug and be like, boom, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. My understanding is that somebody high up in the Wikipedia food chain did that because they knew they could they could put it up there in a way that it wouldn't get taken down right away. And so it was on there for several years. It is no longer there. Um, and I had nothing to do with it, but but that that was a thing. So for so people really honestly, there was a period of time where I'm like, I'm not him, I'm Lindsay Jones. And they're like, Well, it says right here that Lindsay Jones is him, so <laughs> And like, wasn't I feel like I remember like a fairly aggressive one at a hotel or something? Yes, there have been numerous ones at, at hotels. And in fact, the last time this happened at a hotel, my son was with me and he decided to sort of take advantage of the situation because she was like, You look so familiar. And my son was like, Oh, you could tell him if you want. And I'm like, What are you talking about? And he's like, Go ahead, <laughs> tell him, John, tell him who you are. And oh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, will you stop that? I am. Will you stop? What are you doing? And he's like, oh, come on, John, don't be shy. And uh, so we got like the, the nicest suite in the hotel as a result of this. And I'm like, I am not going to be known as pretending to be him. No, you're um, going to be known as being him pretending not to be him. That's the, yeah, well, that right. is actually That's even true. better. Yeah. I do, I mean, I actually met him, I, I didn't, okay, I didn't meet him directly, but it is a sound-related story of my close encounter with him. Okay. What happened was, many years ago, I was doing a show at Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago, and I was doing, it was a rock musical. So it was a 15-person rock musical, everybody in this band is playing everybody on stage is playing an instrument 15 people in the band meanwhile 
Downstairs, in the other theater at Steppenwolf Theater, John Malkovich is directing Hysteria, which is a very quiet play about Sigmund Freud and therapy. And so... There's so that's not, a match made in heaven. Yeah. And there's not a lot of insulation. And when I say not a lot, what I mean is there's zero insulation between the two <laughs> theaters. Between the upstairs and the downstairs theater. And so... We, you know, we're rehearsing the show while they're doing their show. They're they're rehearsing their show. And it sounds, if you're downstairs watching Hysteria, it sounds like Sigmund Freud has some incredibly loud neighbors next door, you know, who are (laughs) ruining everything. So the first time this happens, um, he, he comes up to our theater. Right, looking for the sound designer, looking for the person responsible for this loud band that is interrupting his show. And now, fortunately, moments before he walked into the theater, um, the house manager grabbed me and said, John Malkovich is on his way in here. And I was like, oh, shit. So I hid in this closet that is underneath... Because the, the two, you can't be in the same space-time continuum at the same no, time, or like no, explodes no. or something, right? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to meet him. I don't it's want why, him to see me. It's why you can't go back in time where you already exist. Is You're that, that motherfucker from Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you son exactly. of a bitch. <laughs> so he comes in, and I see him yelling at people in the back of the theater, right? Because of course it's a loud show; you can't even hear him yelling. Yeah. Right? yeah. And because um, he's got a distinctive yell, that's like what he they're does. All, he's screaming at everyone, <laughs> and he's like, "Where's the sound designer? Where is it? I, you know, I want to talk to this person." And um, and I hide in the closet, and I'm looking throughout the closet, and he, he doesn't find me. He goes back downstairs. The next day, the management of Steppenwolf calls me, and they're like, "Boy, John is really upset." And I'm like, "This is not my fault. This is not my fault. I did not schedule a rock musical and a quiet play in the same." theater with no insulation. I cannot do anything. And they were like, well, you got to make the band turn down or he's going to get really upset. And I'm like, really? You guys can't figure out any other way about to work this out? And they're like, nope, sorry, that's it. So that day (laughs) I go to the band and I say to everybody in the band, I'm like, hey, everybody, uh, I just need you to turn things down a bit, you know, like let's dial things back. The band's kind of bummed out, but I sort of get them to turn everything back. No problem. That night, we do the show again. Same thing. I'm standing at the back of the audience. And then all of a sudden, I get a tap on my shoulder. It's like, he's on his way. And I, like, run into the closet again. He comes out. And he's super angry now. Because he's like, I told you last night, you guys can't be this loud. And we're like, we're not this loud. And they're like, where's the sound designer? Where is he? Nobody will tell them. So he runs downstairs. Back to his show. Next day, I get a call again for management. And like, boy, he's really pissed. And I was like, can you guys do anything to talk to him? And like, not us. I don't want to talk to him. Uh, so I was, like, he gets I was like, angry. I was like, well, what am I going to do? And he's like, he's only here for two more nights. If you guys can get through the next two nights, you'll be fine. So that night, I go out to the band. I'm like, guys, I need you to turn down more. I start putting towels over the drums, right? Like, I'm doing all these things, just trying best I can to get it in there. That night, we go. and But the band still, like, doesn't really understand what the problem is. And, they, they you know, as soon as you're like, hey, guys, turn down. They're like, yeah, sure. And then Wait, as soon stop, as you turn stop. away, 
They turn John back Malkovich up. has barged into your theater and is screaming at the top of his lungs for the sound designer two nights in a row, and the band can't figure out what's going on at this point. The band Sean, doesn't you care. Worked with musicians before, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> band doesn't care. Nope, so, it's my first rodeo, bro. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll explain it to the second one. Oh, thanks, dude. So this time, uh, same thing again. I'm standing back in the theater. He comes running up the stairs. I hide in the closet, and this time he doesn't even stop at the back of the theater, right? He walks all the way up on stage and turns out to the audience and says, if you guys don't make this show quieter, I'm going to shut this show down. I'm going to shut my show down. I'm going to shut this whole place down. And everyone in the audience thinks this is part of the show. So they break into applause right away. Right? They all, they're like, oh my God, I didn't know John Malkovich was in this show. Is he? It's not in the, the program room. anywhere. We're not playing, but okay. <laughs> so the next morning, I get a call. And the call's like, boy, John's really pissed now. And I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do. As opposed and to the last two calls where he was pissed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what do you want from me? And they're like, whatever happens, you have to get through tonight. And they can't, and he can't come up there. No matter what. And so I literally go in, I take all the electric guitars out, I give them acoustic guitars. I uh I, you know, like everything I it's this is a 15-person rock musical. And everyone is playing so quietly by the end of this that literally the entire audience is like leaning in, trying to strain to hear 15 people play music. (laughs) And we got through that night and he didn't come up. And then he left town. I think he went back to France or wherever. Um, And so uh, since then, when anyone's ever like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if you and John Malkovich were in the same room? I'm like, I've been in the same room with him and I don't want to do it. It's like, really know. imperative that he never know who I am. He still thinks I'm a woman, so that's fine. Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm, I really can't get over the closet. I just like I mean, just went and hid in the yeah. closet. I think that's great. Yeah, that is good. I mean, that is the difference between an average person story and a Lindsay Jones story, right there. Andy, we got to coordinate this, bro. We got to get a hold of John and sort this out so that we can do just not, put him in the same room. Do not contact and him. Then, no. and then we'll be- <laughs> No. And they'll be like, hey, John, we found not only Lindsay Jones, but the motherfucker that ruined your play. And he'll be like, that son of a bitch. Yeah, that's right. They're all going to come for me. I know. This was right around the time of that being John Malkovich movie, too. Like, and so, like, his oh face God. was everywhere. His oh face was God. all over Chicago. I was like a nightmare, you guys. Oh As God. opposed to right now where nobody would know who he is. But right then, everybody knew who he was. Yeah, Everyone knew who he was. Oh, he man. was everywhere. So, so I guess why don't we re- rewind real quick and um, w- where do you start out? Because you you didn't initially start in theater, if I'm remembering right. You started on the music side. Or am um, I misremembering? So it's a little bit of a combination. So I started off uh, as an actor. I went to North Carolina School of the Arts and I got a degree in acting. Um, and uh, and I played in bands from the time I was 13 on, but I've never had any formal training in music or sound in any way. Um, and I, that explains a lot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I moved my, I, so what happened was I was, uh, I went to school, uh, for acting. And while I was there, we met this woman who was directing this national tour of buddy, the buddy Holly story. And she basically hired my band out of college. Like we graduated school and immediately got in a bus 
And we did a year-long bus and truck tour of Buddy the Buddy Holly story playing Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Um, and so what we would do is we would we would travel all day on the bus. We'd do an 8 o'clock show of the Buddy Holly story. I would book us a gig at midnight at some club in town, and my band and I just basically did a free tour of the United States off of off of a big league theatrical bus and truck yeah. tour. Yeah. That's the way to do it. it. That is what band is this? Next level right is this there. Young Nubile Things? This is my band, the Nubile Things, who still exist. You can go to them at nubilethings.com. Um, but yes, so we did that for a year. And then after that, we moved to Chicago. And I started working as a, you know, I was playing in my band and we were playing all of Chicago and I was doing plays. And I had a friend of mine come to me and say, hey, um, we're doing this play and it needs a lot of loud rock music. Would you be willing to put that together? And I said, sure, yeah, I could do that. And they said, oh, it needs sound design too. Do you, could you do that? And I didn't really know what that was, but I was like, okay. So and immediately you're having John Malkovich flashbacks. Right totally. Now, loud rock band, theater. Oh God, help. Yeah, okay. It's all there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually, this is, a, this is a bonus part of this story that I don't usually tell, but because this is an audio theme program. So at the time in Chicago, there was this television show called JBTV and they would show music videos on Friday nights. And they had a trivia contest. And so the trivia contest was, who's the lead singer of Gumball? And I knew the lead singer of Gumball was Don Fleming. So I wrote Don Fleming on a postcard. I sent that into JBTV. And a few weeks later, I get a call. And they said, hey, you won the trivia contest. Come on down and collect your prize. So I go on down to these studios. And they said, congratulations, here are your prize. And it was the very first recordable mini disc deck that existed in America. Like it was, it hadn't even been released yet. And I was candid this, like basically a disc man of, with, of a mini disc. And I was like, huh, I wonder if I could use this in this sound design thing I've got to come up with. So I, I used that. I was probably the first mini disc person in Chicago in the early nineties. So it's um, your fault. It's my fault. I use those things, and they were great. You know, you yeah. were just saying how John was 15 years older than you, but after that slew of things you just said where there was music videos on television, you sent in a postcard, and you knew who the gumballs were, and then the minidisc was the first thing. I don't think you're 15 years younger. No, make no I'm mistake about it. it. I, I'm old as dirt. But yeah, I'm old as dirt, but John Alvich is older than me. That's the thing. Yeah, it's dirt versus Methuselah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I, 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 I got the gray John hair and the beard, Malcolm too. I'm, I'm, I'm with I know, you. I got the gray beard, bro. <laughs> so then after that, what happened was people, the show wound up being successful, and it ran for like nine months in Chicago, which was huge. And so people would call me and say, hey, would you be willing to do music and sound design for our show? And I thought, well, I'll just do this until the jobs dry up, and then I'll go back to acting. And the jobs never dried up. And I, you know, 25 years later, I'm still doing it. So that's how it happened. That's right. Well, dude. And you're also Thank acting you. still. You still got a couple fun credits. Um, doing, weren't you just uh, uh, somebody and John Malkovich the second? Yeah, we know it. We saw yeah. it. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's the stuntman for John when John's going to do crazy, like in red, when he's like, I'm getting the pig. And then the, Lindsay fills in. <laughs> oh. No. Oh. I'm trying to run away from it. <laughs> from the pig? Or- <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, oh, why wouldn't dude. you? Obviously. I mean, certainly. 
Um, I did do I did do a reading last year uh, for a theater company I work with in Chicago, American Blues Theater. I did um, a reading of the Thanksgiving play by Larissa Fasthorst, which was great. I was one of the characters in that. And then I've been developing for a long time a show of myself where I tell stories about crazy things that have happened to me. And that show is is mid-process. I keep promising I'm going to try and get it done in the next nine months, and I hope it will. So that that's... That is the extent of my acting until somebody hires me again. And this, this I got to say, is a dream for me. Like, I, I, need, I need to see this. I need to experience this because I have enough, <laughs> like, enough live action Lindsay Jones experience that seeing it, seeing it told, and it, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, no, I will. Does I'll it include the, the mattress book, story? The, the, yeah, the mattress story's in there. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yes! I see you can't do that to us. Dude, now I want to. I want a live yeah. action experience, the Lindy Jones experience. Like, hi, what, what do I got to do? Where am I going? Chicago, New York. Where do I go for this, dude? I got to work it out. I got. I've been working with the director. Her name is Meredith McDonough. She's great, and um, I'm hoping. I'm hoping to have it, and then I'll just tour it around and uh, and do it. I just. I just have to finish it. Honest to God, really. The thing is, I've got all these stories, but I need sort of like this narrative glue that pulls it all together, so it doesn't feel like one story after another only because. Um, I figured, like, have you guys ever been to, like, a Bugs Bunny film festival? You know what I mean? Where they show, like, a bunch of Bugs Bunny cartoons back to back. I mean, I watched them as a kid religiously. Yeah. Like, does that count? Well, (laughs) this is the thing, right? Is that if you go to a Bugs Bunny film festival now, like, it sounds like an amazing idea. And you start watching and you're like, yeah, this is great. But about seven or eight cartoons in, you're like, I can't take anymore. It's like it's like eating too many donuts. You know what I mean? Like it's no longer, it doesn't feed you in the same way. And so that's what I have to do is figure out the narrative glue so that it doesn't feel like you're watching, like you're in the bad half yeah. of a Bugs Bunny film festival. That's what I'm working on. In the bad I mean, half is that of the a title? Bugs Bunny film festival. Yeah, is that I the like title? That. Not the bad half of a Bugs Bunny Not film the bad festival half. by yeah, Lindsay yeah, yeah. Jones? Yeah. <laughs> Not totally. the bad half? The good the half. Ba- bad half of a Bugs Bunny film festival is the name mm. of my insane clown posse cover band. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> nice. That is unfortunate. <laughs> it's all on kazoos. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, oh, God. That is also unfortunate. Yeah. Ooh, can I, I want to join. I want to join the kazoo band. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> we got to get a schedule back together. We'll work on it together. Andy, I do not want to join the kazoo band. I'm not, I'm not into the kazoo band. That's, that's all you guys. Wow. You have fun with that. Wow, that's serious. That's like <laughs> shots fired, dude. Right. <laughs> I'll join. Something about like a, a kazoo through an eleven seventy six and a two A. That's just fire, man. Yeah. <laughs> so some of that neve neve blue on it, warm it up a little bit. Man, it's rough. Uh, neve so, blue is for people that can't afford an eighty seventy eight. I mean, I mean, if you've paid for the Ravage, you can't afford the. <laughs> yeah, right. You already spent it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, well, so, so like, do you like you because you do a mix of composing and designing? Like, do you always do them both together? Do you sometimes do just one or just the other? I try to usually do them both together if I can. Um, I have been starting to be hired a little bit more as one or the other. Uh, I mean, like right now, I have a show in Houston where I was the sound designer only, and um, I've also just I've been doing more audio drama series where I'm being hired as a composer only. Um, But I generally like to do them together because I really do feel like sound and music are so integral that like, Mm -hmm. 
it's hard to do them separately. And, and it, a lot of times when I work with, if I'm the sound designer and there's a composer, I feel like I end up sort of adapting their music anyway. So I'm just like, I just go to theaters and say like, Hey, what, what if I just did the whole thing? It'll be fine. And, uh, usually, I mean, if you're going to have to redo it, you might as well get paid for it in the first place. Like why, you know, why get, why not get paid to do somebody else's job? You know what I mean? I agree with you. I yeah, agree with yeah, you. hundred percent. Yeah. Like if you're just going to have to fix dude, bro guys mess up, like, you know what? Just sort me out. Yeah, the front end. We'll, we'll just keep, we'll save the drama. Up. We'll opening night. will be on time. Everything will be great. Like, it'll be awesome. don't worry about it. Y'all. Yeah. It's totally. going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and one of the, one of the reasons I, w- I wanted to like have a conversation with you and that I know a lot of listeners into it is because you're, career has tended to be very jam-packed and very far flung and you are kind of Mr. Travel. Like, is that something you set out to do? Is that just following the work where it goes or? So I, I, so there's multiple answers to that. The first is, is that, you know, the first seven or eight years of my career where I was in Chicago, my goal was to make a living as a sound designer. All right. And which is almost impossible. And so the only way to do that is to constantly be working all the time. So I got really good at juggling multiple projects, being in multiple theaters at the same time, moving around town, right? And then I started thinking, what if I left Chicago and started doing this all over the place, right? And that has sort of been the model for what I do now, which is that I'm constantly on the go trying to do as many different projects as possible. And it's not really because I'm greedy or because I want to, uh, you know, make sure that I'm constantly everywhere. It's just because there's something wrong with me where I really enjoy the challenge of being stretched as thin as possible and see if I can get out of it in one piece. Without a plan. That's the thing that I enjoy the most. Without a plan. Um, And without a plan, generally. Um, so I, I really just enjoy that now as part of that, right? Because I'm constantly on the run going from one place to another, having to be in one city one day and another city in another day. Um, over time, what I've gotten much better at is traveling in a way that makes your life as easy and as stress-free as possible because travel is super stressful. You got your own jet. Uh, no, I wish. Wouldn't that be yeah. great? Because <laughs> there's nothing easy about TSA and traveling with stuff. There's, I mean, you can make it easier. You, there's definitely ways to make it harder, and there's ways to make it easier. And there, and so what I have done, um, because I'm also sort of obsessive about like you know details of stuff and just learning as much as possible about something. Um, I have been able to re- sort of refine the techniques of how to travel on the road and make your life as easy as possible based upon what you can do. And then I try to, so I've kind of refined that knowledge and now people are like, tell me about that knowledge. Well, so that's, that's cool. Cause you just upgraded from John Malkovich, the second to the most interesting man in the world. Do tell about how to travel through TSA easier without blowing a gasket. Cause I pretty much want to blow a gasket every time I have to travel with a Pelican. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's the first thing is like you, there are things that are make it harder. If you're walking in with a Pelican case, you're already going. You, that is like a big red flashing sign that says, "Please." I mean, they're already strip searching me at that point. Yeah, take yeah. take me apart. 
So yeah. th- through through one of my pelicans, I found out indirectly via Philip Peglo, which I think Lindsay and Ian both know. Yeah, uh, that there is an FBI field office at the Atlanta airport. Oh yeah, that's right. They will not tell you why you are there, but they will definitely make you their guest for an hour or two. And uh, Philip had barred my uh, my wireless measurement kit, and something in or on the kit on his return trip home got flagged, and weirdly. They took the windscreens and all of his quarter to XLR adapters, said, we'll certified mail those to you. You can fly with the rest. That's great. <laughs> that, w- that was it, huh? They let the electronics go, but, but the quarter to XLR adapters were yeah. the gem. But yeah, so Pelicans <clears throat> make it tricky. I mean, I no, listen, I got screens. I got stopped for years. You were Andy, you were talking about Earthworks microphones. I used to have a pair of Earthworks that I travel with everywhere, and it was without fail. People would uh-huh. be like, "What are these anal probes that you're carrying, yeah, sir?" And I'd be like, like, "Little rockets. If they're the cardioid ones, yeah. they've got rocket vents on the side. Yeah, because exactly. they don't look like a 58 or a U87, so nobody knows what they are. Like those are exactly. the two things people relate re- microphones. Yeah. I took. Okay. The, I was as soon as I got those Earthworks microphones out of my bag, everything got a lot easier. But yeah, I, if you're traveling with a Pelican case, that is a kick me sign for any TSA person. So I would recommend if you if there's a way to not have that, that's going to make your life better. I see your your Earthworks microphones and pelicans, and I raise you a sock full of cornstarch. Yeah, in Israel. You, nice. You a, oh yeah, that's that's a that was, that was a nice. choice. I, I was about that I was, was a choice. I, I was pretty con- concerned. I was never ever coming home. Um, Why? But it turned out that the disassembled um, xylophone was worse. I could see that. Nice. Why? And you was, thought all those together was the, that was the package? Collectively, yeah. you were like, "This is going to be great." But yep. why a sock full of cornstarch? Like, what was the plan there? Um, the sock full of <laughs> cornstarch is a great sound effect. It's uh, it, it oh. is commonly used as uh, 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 walking on snow, but um, it oh, was okay. in this yeah, case right. the 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 wonderful steps of a tiny robot on a planet made of egg white. Nice, and you thought to yourself. I've got this sock full of cornstarch. I'm never going to be able to find these resources again. I'll just put them in this bag. International travel. This is yeah, where I'm going. No, international no, travel. Yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I originally shipped everything over to Israel and then uh, we were, we were returning home and just uh-huh. like threw everything in the bag to come home. And wow. it wasn't until I was standing in line with a swarm of, of security people around me that I went, Oh, shit yeah you're like oh, this boy. was a bad idea Choice yeah, well, made. i'm never going home <laughs> but uh but it worked out somehow they were like okay i i believe your story about a disassembling and of a xylophone and um we are unconcerned about your sock full of cornstarch go just glad it wasn't this week that you had this this oh, thing yeah. happen yeah Oof. right totally yeah, no. uh, they'd have been like nope not no, that's that's okay you Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. Lindsay, I, I know you could go on for like, because I've I've gone to the workshop and paid for like hours of you talking about like, yes. travel tips, and obviously we're not going to do that. But like, whoa, 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 do you, do you whoa, whoa. I don't want to pay for the workshop. Come on, hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just say like, do you want to give us like the, the condensed, like the the Lindsay Jones's quick and dirty guide to traveling for business? So, I mean, look, the the I can talk about it from wide variety of different standpoints, but let's just talk about the basics of like airline travel, right? Like that's 
I think that's the thing that stresses a lot of people out. For sure. And um, if you don't travel frequently, it can be really intimidating. So the first thing is, just to say this, my advice is largely going to help people who travel more frequently. If you're a person who travels twice a year, there aren't a whole lot of ways to make your travel more comfortable other than paying for it. And I'm very sorry about that. But if you are a person who travels frequently on airlines, the one thing you want to do is pick an airline that you think you're going to fly the most often because of the cities that that airline travels to. And each airline has specific hub cities that are its specialties. Then try to fly as much as you can on that single airline in order to gain status. Once you begin to collect airline status, you can start to generate things like getting to board earlier, upgrades, um, and you get to live in first class. People treat you better. You know, even if you don't look like they should treat you better, they will because they have to. Um, Andy, is, and my, so, is my camera working? L- look at me. They're not going to treat me better. They're not going to let me in first class. <laughs> Dude, you're at least twice as not bad looking as me. So yeah. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> they're going to be like, who, who let the, 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 the Viking in? Like, no, they're not, no, he doesn't get to be first class. You're like, going to be great. There's no suit on that guy. Yeah, it's going to work out. Trust me. I have been, I've been given dirty looks my entire life. In fact, I sort of live for them. Welcome to the um, club, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but they have to. And, it, you know, really once you start to establish your status and there are ways to get status and we can talk through all of that stuff, but the status is key to slowly getting you to a different sphere of how people deal with you in your travel so that uh, it's not quite as bad. So so I know in, in both the like corporate freelance world and in theater, it's there's always that battle for who's going to book the flight. And like, is there, do you have any tricks or tips for, either getting them to book you on the airline you want or getting them to just let you book the flight? So, you know, here's the thing. Most of the time, company managers of professional theaters are usually extremely nice people who are very overwhelmed. They have a tremendous job. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a fairly thankless job, in my opinion. Um, and it, it's difficult. So what I like to do is research the flights that I'm interested in put them in an email and introduce myself and say like, hello, I'm Lindsay Jones. I'm going to be working at your theater. These are the flights that I would like on these days from these airports. This is the, the seats I want. Um, this is my uh, loyalty number for that airline. Give them all of that information. Now, when I first started doing this, I expected company managers to be like, how dare you, sir? This is my job. I would, you can't be taking my job from me. But honestly, I have never had any other company manager react any other way than like, oh, thank God, this is one less thing I have to do. You know, like this, and as long as it's not significantly more expensive than what they would have paid anyway, they will totally let it happen. So I say, when in doubt, be proactive about your travel, figure out what you'd like to do, and then present it to the person who's in charge of paying for it. Chances are very good they'll take it on themselves. I'll tell you that, from somebody that hires people to fly around the country, that is excellent advice. And I would much rather not have to deal with it. And as long as like you said, you're paying attention, like, man, this is in the wheelhouse of what they probably would have done. Cause we're all looking to save as much money as possible, but not make totally. it miserable for the people that are flying. Right. That's exactly but if you're right. Take it off the plate. And you're like, Hey man, I'd actually rather fly out of this airport and this time works better. And it's another hundred bucks. You're like, okay, great, man. Have a good day. See you. Send me the bill. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, right, dude. 
Rather yeah. than like and, me trying to sift through a thousand flights and nine hotels, forty seven Uber rides. What time you get here? What time is the train? Like, dude, forget yeah. all that. You do it. That's Thanks. How you fun. do it? That's you could it. even bill me a travel agent fee for yourself for a hundred bucks to sort it all out, and I would be stoked. I'd be like, yeah, man, I'd happily put a hundred bucks on your travel agent fee for you for me not having a deal. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna work for you. Noted. Yeah, dog. Yeah, so you, you can send job applications to Sean at. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, cool. And then, I mean, do you have, do you have s- strong opinions, experiences on, on doing that and getting them to pay versus just saying here, I'm going to build, I'm going to pay for the flight and just invoice you for it. Or if, if they're willing to pay for it up front, it's more helpful. It's one less thing. I mean, usually theaters are pretty reliable about reimbursing you, but if, if you can send them all the stuff and say like, here you go, just book it yourself then they book it and then you immediately take it over after it's booked. Um, that that's in my opinion, the easiest way to do it. If you have to re if you have to pay for it and then get them to reimburse, it's possible, but it's, it's just another step. And I, as a general rule, do not enjoy chasing people down for money. It's just not something I enjoy doing. I don't think, I don't know many people enjoy doing it. Nobody um, likes it. Nobody likes it. It's yeah, no fun. And if you can avoid that, I recommend it. That's excellent advice. Avoid running motherfuckers down for money. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Have um, them just give about, it to you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, totally. Zifa just is, get paid. Just please give me the money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to ask you about luggage, but I guess if, like, at a certain point of status, the the who's paying for luggage becomes a non question usually. So. I do not check any luggage. And I know that that's a controversial statement in itself. And people treat me as if I'm insane, but I'm here to tell you, I do not have a lifestyle that allows for the extra time involved in checking luggage. Like I just don't have it. Like the thing where you have to get to an airport an hour early and stand on a line and put your bag in. Like I don't, I just don't have that life. And I want to tell every single person listening to this podcast, I believe in you and I believe you will come up with a way to not have to check your luggage if you really think about it. You can do it. I know there are people when you say, like, you don't have to check your luggage, they're like, but I do because I have this this thing. I have, like, a liquid or I've got to, you know, I've got to carry six extra, you know, pairs of shoes. Where You don't. The hotel has you all don't. Those. The hotel's got all of it. And yeah, I don't want to carry it anyway. And it's going to end up in a goop bag at the bottom. Like, I don't want to do it. I guarantee you when you get to where you're going, they will have a sock and they will have a box of cornstarch and you will be fine. Do not. <laughs> Do not get pulled over in Israel and held at gunpoint over it's a sock of cornstarch and a broken ass xylophone. Let it go. Let it go. I feel really called out right now. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, God. It's going to be fine. So I say, don't check your luggage. Um, learn about the luggage requirements. Um, you know, basically you need a 21-inch roller board that is, that is your main sort of like carries your clothes stuff. And then you want a bag that can carry all of your materials that is, can be considered a laptop bag that can slide underneath a seat if it has to. Um, if you can break down your gear to that level where you can travel with that. You can live indefinitely on the road and never get hassled or frequently not get hassled. So not a backpack, but like a laptop case, like a business-style no, laptop case. I, I, I've got to make this plea. as On behalf of all humanity, I, I'm speaking for everyone, do not 
bring a backpack on the airplane. No one <laughs> wants to get hit in the face with your backpack Again. as you're walking down the aisle. I'm begging you. If you have a backpack, I want you to light it on fire and let it go. That's what I want. No more backpacks on wow. airplanes. None. Oh I'm God, awkwardly dude. looking around at three different uh, backpacks uh, that I own. Yeah. Specifically within I have been hit in the face too many times <laughs> by people walking down the aisle being like, oh, is this my seat? Oh, no, it's this is my seat. I don't know what it means. This is my seat. Oh my Lindsay on an airplane is just like an episode of Super Troopers oh. where they're coming down with back cops. He's just mother of God. I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like here it comes, dude. I just can't take it anymore. And people seem to put like, you know, uh, let me just put all my college books in here and then look around for my seat in the middle of the aisle. Blast the dude next to you in the face. Oh my God. I can't take it anymore. No more backpacks. We're done with backpacks. All right. Backpacks well, are out. And- Laptop bags are in. Thank you. Laptop bags are in and like strategically packed laptop bags are in because Lindsay has a has like it is to a science. Um, so no earthworks microphones where, in the laptop bag. No, no. nowadays I where, travel. Yeah. North. I try uh, to so give I them travel, a, uh, <laughs> I, I travel now. A, 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 a new uh, laptop stand and no. I couldn't do no. it. So I travel now with a little Akai LPK 25 keyboard and then two uh, G-RAID 36 terabyte hard drives that I carry with me everywhere that have all my virtual instruments and sound effects uh, in one pocket and my laptop in another pocket. That's the bag. That's what I carry with me everywhere else. Uh, And then I just throw everything else in a suitcase and it has to it has to be able to clear through like that's that's my lifestyle. Okay. I mean, that, since that I'm, explains since a lot I'm, of how you. Sorry, how go you ahead. Andy. To, oh no, no, I was that that explains a lot about how you manage to maintain the travel schedule you do. Yeah, it's impossible otherwise. Since I'm not the theater guy, yeah. how do you get the laptop into the console? Is there an interface, or is it like just stereo, or is it multi-track in, or how do you do that? I don't. Okay, so normally what I do is I network with the computer that's already connected to the console and I play through that thing. I don't usually connect my laptop to a console. Like that's just, I, I just go, there's always a QLab computer and I sort of network to that and then send sounds directly to that and then control that. that remotely to send sounds to the console. So it's, it's rare that I'm actually putting stuff in from my, from my actual machine. Copy that. Yeah. Or- yeah. That's a whole lot less stuff to carry. It's pretty spectacular, my friend. Just light and yeah, easy. The, the upside to being the composer sound designer type instead of, you know, the t- the, t- the corner of the nerd world we live in. It's totally true. And I want to say I'm not a person who carries a bag of tools. I'm very sympathetic to people who carry bags of tools. I know that that's a pain in the ass and that requires a lot more stuff. I, I, I don't have tools. to travel with that. And uh, so. I am uh, a tool. Does that count? Yes, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a bag you carry yourself yeah, in? <laughs> Totally. <laughs> okay, great. Excellent. They see me coming at the airport. They're like, we're going to get that guy. <laughs> he looks like such a bag. Yeah. Got him. He, he's a what tool a bag, bag of get tools him. that guy is. That guy's a tool bag. Get him. <laughs> it's not just a tool. He's a bag of tools. Get him. Oh, get him. I love it. You've heard of Joey Bag of Donuts. Meet Sean Bag of Tools. Yeah, right. There you go. That's it. Oh, funny. Um, All right. Is it, uh, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say light laptop bag and a carry on that's got all the clothes in it. And that's it. Rip around the world. That's it. Nice. That's it. And then plan your life within an inch of its uh, inch of uh, every second and you'll make it. Hopefully. Sometimes. Uh, how, how many close calls have you had? Thousands. I mean, every every day is a close call. Do, do they know you at airports at this point? They do. Yeah, no, they do know me at airports, actually. And on airplanes, too. I'll get people who will who will be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? Um, that part is kind of great. I do like being recognized by security people. Um, it makes your uh, bag of tools easier to get through security. It does. Yeah. Were, yeah, yeah. were you to have one? Yeah. yeah right. it, it's kind of like. When you're being recognized by airport security, it's not so much like, hey, what's going on? It's like, hey, I know you somehow. <laughs> it's not like Norm at Cheers. It's a very different hey. Like, No. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> did I arrest you or did I think you were okay? <laughs> or was it that totally. movie? Yeah. yeah right. Or right. was totally. it that movie? Yeah, yeah that was. happens a lot, yeah, so, too. So that's really the trick is that. You just look like a superstar, so you just do whatever you want. The rest of us are just in handcuffs the whole time. Is that what you're saying? I cannot stress enough how it does never <laughs> works in my favor, okay? Like, I can't stress. No one has ever been like, oh, right this way to your table, John yeah, right, totally. No one. It's always like, well, huh, we're going to call the one cops. suite. There was one suite. Yeah, yeah, your kid got you. Yeah, so, I know. I don't is. want the suite. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it. Please don't yes, give me Yes, you do. Suite. It was schmancy. No, I don't. I was in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. He's not, he's no, not there enough. long enough. Fair enough. I hear they've got great wings, though. <laughs> I mean, they do. Oh, funny. All right. Uh, so, like, outside of theater work, you've also, or, or I guess outside of your design work, I should say, inside of theater. Yeah. Uh, like, one of the other things you're known for in our community Oh, Andy, I think you muted yourself. Oh, yeah. oh, hey, look at that. Yeah, sound sound people, professional here. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I, I was saying that um, I know one, one of the things, at least within our theater community, you're known for is is uh, starting up the TSDCA. Do you want to, like, for the folks who aren't familiar with that, kind of give us a little bit of what that is and where that came from? Yeah, so uh, TSDCA stands for Theatrical Sound Designers and Composers Association. It's an professional association for people who create original music and sound design for theater in North America. And not just theater, but also like if you're doing um, sound and music for dance or other live uh, performances, you're totally welcome in TSCC as well. Um, and we also welcome audio engineers, A1s, A2s, anyone who has any sort of interest in theatrical audio. Um, it's sort of a big community for them. I want to make it clear that I personally did not found TSDCA. I am one of many co-founding members who put this together. I helped to spearhead the initiative of it, but before I get a lot of angry phone calls from people, yeah. I did not find it by myself. It was many people put it together. Um, yeah. But it's great. And, uh, you know, the honest truth is I, I started off in Chicago and Chicago is a really awesome community um, where generally speaking, it's a very supportive environment and people are really about like trying to help each other. And then I would go to other cities and I was suddenly like, wait, why aren't people more helpful here? Why are they all sort of like, why are they fighting with each other or keeping things from each other or not being productive? And I thought, um, I, I really 
have tried hard personally, as well as through the organizations I've worked with to making, helping other people in theater be cool. Like I want, like that's a thing I actually want to make a cool thing to do so that just having knowledge and holding on to it and making sure that no one else ever figures out how you do what you do. Like that seems counterproductive to me. Um, that seconded came. Yeah. Thank you. And that came out of, um, the whole thing that happened with the Tony award being taken away for sound design. And, um, that was really the moment where I was like, there's no point in one of us achieving success if it's at the expense of all the rest of us who don't get that same ex- treatment or, you know, respect. So uh, a lot of what I've focused on is in, in the last few years is trying to create a more helpful environment, a community where people are there to support one another, and then also to work together as a community to help the general public and our collaborators better understand why sound and music is important, why it needs to be financially supported, the people who do it need to be compensated fairly for it, and then also, you know, like, to allow us the time and respect to really do our jobs because we can really make a, a big difference. Um, so that that's become sort of a focus on in the last few years for me of trying to do that and TSTCA is one of those places where I find that most productive. Dude, what a cool thing. Thank That's you. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you very it's much. Super yeah. cool. Thanks. And it's a so, lot of fun. And uh, come and join us. We're, we're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go That's to the, TSDCA.org to, to learn more about us. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And because, and Ian, you're on, you're on, are you on the board right now? I am. I am a secretary. Yay. Right a fantastic one. And, and I, am, I am a member as well. Um, Thank you. Honestly, it's it's worth joining just for Lindsay's regular posts of free plugins and samplers and virtual instruments. Like, I don't know how you find the time to track these all down and collate them, but well, like, you'll you'll get your membership fee and like those things alone. Oh, because he course. needs them. Because he's yeah. like, this thing's broken. Now I get a new thing, and he's got his plugins aren't sure. working. He's got to sort it out. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, yeah, no, I mean. Like I said, I'm kind of obsessive anyway, and also uh, I don't really sleep a lot, and I enjoy sort of being on the internet. And I used to look for this stuff for myself, and I thought maybe I can share it with other people. And um, yeah, again, it's just another way that people um, can have the tools that they need in order to succeed in their job. You know, the the more you've got those kind of plug-in options available, the more you can personally move forward in your career. So that's how it came about. It also means that Lindsay is is wonderful for he's kind of like an encyclopedia for for esoteric plugins. So <laughs> if you're if you're looking for true. something specific, there's always uh, you know the, nope, the go to nope, plugin nope, for nope, a nope, nope. crazy. I've already phone. got the most expensive friend in the world. I cannot have two. All right, <laughs> no, Andy no, has Steve already Lindsay cost me a fortune. Any- no, nope. Lindsay is the most inexpensive friend in the world because he knows all the free plugins. They're all free. Yeah. And the plugin giveaway. All right. Perfect. That's Andy's out. Lindsay's in. I, I love it. I'm into it. <laughs> Every time I talk to Andy, it costs me a freaking grand. All right. I can't do it Next anymore. Like, it's over. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Andy, how's your day, bro? He's like, I'm doing this, 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 this. I'm like, yeah, I'm broke. Thanks, dude. Thanks a lot. That's sweet. Yeah, send me for just like, don't. It's so true. It's it's between Uh, Andy and Leon Rothenberg, really. uh, Honestly, is between the two. I can't imagine. Yeah, 
Oh, crazy. Uh, but the free so, stuff from yeah, Lindsay so we, is nice. Yeah, and we we kind of briefly mentioned the the Tony thing. I know some some of our listeners are from the theater world are very familiar with that. Some of them are very not. Do we want to kind of? Oh, I'm very not. Quick, fill me like, in. I'll, yeah, I'll raise my hand quick, as the like, ding dong, bro. Minute, minute or fill two. me in. So okay, here's what happened. So in 2014, the Tony um, Awards Wait, suddenly first, announced. First, when we got it was 2000. Oh, we got it in 2008. 2009? 2008, I think. Eight. Yeah, I think it was eight. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty late, whatever your self Yeah, so was. the Tony Awards have existed for, I don't know, 100 years. And uh, then sound design was very late to receiving it. Um, and then we had it until 2014 when they suddenly announced that they would no longer be giving out an award for best sound design of a play or best sound design of a musical. And, and so when plays and musicals yeah. were silent after that, what happened? <laughs> they were like, oh, I guess maybe we should do this again. Because everybody was like, you know what? Screw it. We're out. We quit. I'm going to go do corporate and make some money or what? I mean, that was, you know, that you say that in jest, but to a degree, there was a version of that. I mean, like what happened as a result of that, besides everyone in our community being really, really upset and felt feeling like feeling kind of used, quite frankly. Understandably so. Um, but beyond that, it did have a chilling effect where... I, I remember talking to people who ran university programs, who do music and sound uh, programs for theater. And a lot of their students at that time were like, well, do I really want to pursue this as a career if it's being phased out by the Tony Awards? I don't, I, you know, I need to, my parents want me to pick a, a job field where I'm going to be able to make a living and, and ha- live a healthy life. Is that the right thing to do? So it it actually did kind of, um, it did really have an effect on that. And, and that's when it was like, it, that's when it was like, we have to do something about this, not just for what feels like a snub, but instead it, it's like, there's an education effort that has to happen here where we need to show a, why we're so important, why we're integral, why we're Artistic collaborators, we're not just guys who like press buttons and turn knobs. Like we we actually have real things that we're doing that make it better. We're not just monkeys um out there. We're we're making a difference. I mean, speak um, for yourself. I, I'm kind but, of just a monkey, but all right. But you, you I, deserve an award. I'm just showing up. I didn't want to bring you up. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank, thank you. Okay. Thanks for leaving me out of it, dude. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. You. Everyone <laughs> but Sean is worthwhile. Everyone but Sean. Um, <laughs> I have to start an organization tomorrow called Everyone But Sean, and we'll talk about that. Like we can make yeah, talk about positive. that once I hang out. <laughs> Everyone But Sean will make a positive difference in the future. Yes. Um, no, it, but it was really like, it was really like we had to ha- come up with this model that was about education, collaboration, and uh, advocacy, you know, how we could help each other how we can support each other and how we can help educate the people around us on why what we do is important. And so that was part of that Tony push to sort of help, help them understand, even though these people are professional theater makers, they were like, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And be like, okay, why don't we sit down and talk it over and we can see how it works, you know, and slowly go through that process. But also then at the same time, really reaching out to our collaborators and being like, Hey, you understand why what I'm doing is, is helpful. Right. And they'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, would you like to write a letter? Can we have you write this? Why don't you talk to this person? Let's gather these things together. That's um, smart. 
So against all odds, even though it was taken away from us in 2019, 2018, 2019. 2017 was the, was the Encounter Special Award and the 2018 yeah, yeah, yeah. came back in full. 2019 was when the Tony Award was reinstated for sound design. Um, and while the Tony Awards never said that they made a mistake per se, I think that they felt that they had learned from us. They had appreciated the conversations that we engaged them with. And as a result, I hope that we're on a positive path to the future because I, I listen, there are people who will be like, who cares about awards? Awards don't make any difference to me. And I will say, I understand that that is how you feel, but the truth is awards equal visibility. Um, Award allows someone, a kid in the middle of nowhere to see somebody winning an award for their job and say, I wonder what that job is like. You know, that visibility totally allows us to bring in the next generation of theater makers of which sound design is absolutely a part of. And so I, I believe that even if awards are not your thing, they are a tool like many others to try and get garner interest and generate hopefully people who will come behind us in the future. Well, and also we were the big, the big sort of, there wasn't a lot of reasoning that was shared, but the, the reason that this all happened was, was that the, the humans voting didn't understand how to evaluate, how to listen, how to um, hear what we are adding to a theatrical experience. And so having, having that discussion and like putting, putting that knowledge of how to really, how to really engage with sound in the theatrical experience in these people's brain is like filtering out to the community at large. And that's great. I mean, I personally never really bought into that line of reasoning that they brought out, which was like, well, we don't understand how you do your job because I, I got to tell you, I have never worked with a commercial producer in my entire life who came up to me and said, you know, I don't know how you guys do this, but uh, so therefore I do not have any thoughts on how you could do your job better. Right? Like every producer I've ever worked with (laughs) is always like, you know what you guys need to do is you need to put this and that do these to make it louder and make the things over there. Right. They, they have never had any compunction about telling us how to do the job better. So to me, when they were like, I don't understand how you do your job. Like, then why did you give me all those notes like you knew? <laughs> because <laughs> you you Not did. Wrong. Not wrong. Though yeah. it is That's how is, I felt. That's funny. I, I also feel like it's really interesting to to like get into audio versus visual and all of that fun totally. uh, duality in the in the you know general sociological psyche and whatnot. Yeah, so and I, that's, and that's I mean, probably on, where I'm going. I feel like I buy that argument. Yeah, and I like I buy that argument a little more on musicals because, like, the, there were folks even on the sound design side making cases that sometimes musicals were nominated or won not because they had a great sound design, but because the music was exciting or yeah. the music was cool. And now, and I'm trying. Do you know, like, because I thought I remember when it came back, they were saying they limit they limit who can vote on the sound design award or who can nominate. Yeah, I believe it is. It's a more select community. Not everybody votes on the sound design awards, um, and I think that is the case for m- many of the design awards. But um, I d- I'm sorry, I just don't. 
I don't buy any of that. I really don't. I don't, I, I really do feel like if, you know, theater is a completely ephemeral experience that's there and then it's gone. And there are so many parts of it where you could say, well, I don't understand how lighting works, or I don't understand what's important about costume design, or, um, you know, I don't really completely understand what orchestrations are. And that's okay. That's fine. But when you walk out of the theater at the end of the show and you think, wow, that show really made an impression on me, or I'm emotionally moved as a result of that show, or I gained something, I learned something, I feel differently now. If you really go back and reflect upon what you saw in those moments, my guess is the acting's important, but I'll bet it was the music that surrounded it. I'll bet it was the lighting that enhanced it. I'll bet it was the scenery that sort of put it there. Like, I I bet all of those things, if you really took the time to break it down, you might have a better understanding of it. And you don't have to be an expert on it to appreciate it. You don't have to be an expert on theater to appreciate it. I mean, I I feel like we got to get past this thing of like, oh, only specialists really know what this means. I I think you're right. Because if you're you're talking about event, you know, the the producers not knowing what sound designers do, I mean, come on, bro. You know what I mean? Just, you're going to do this play in like a hospital room under hospital lights and with nothing but a Bose dock and think this is turning out the same? Like, come on, man. Don't. Too far. Too far. And I think some of the distinction is, is, can understand, don't understand versus just won't understand. Like, I mean, I can, I mean, in the reason, and I say that like a, a show I had an involvement with and I'm for obvious reasons going to not name the show, Okay, but there's a show that won a best sound design Tony for a musical that a vast majority of the room couldn't hear or understand the words. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's in, 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 yeah. So it's like, it's a complicated, and that's why like in having, Having been involved in that show, like I had very conflicted feelings when the awards went away because I'm like, I don't think the award should have gone away. I think it's disrespectful. Like I want it back, but also what they were doing wasn't entirely working. And, and, but you know, here's what I have to say to that. First of all, I think it's important to say awards were never meant to be an exact science. And I think you could look at any award show on any season and say, like, I don't necessarily think that this particular thing was the best, right? Like it, it, the definition of how people decide it, it's a popularity contest and it is flawed. But to completely remove us not from having con- it at all. Yeah, it's completely right. remove it yeah. from consideration. Like, even if that's lame, it's better than not having it at all because there's a whole lot more factors like you had outlined before that yeah. If there's no goal, there's no prize at the end other than just doing the work, like it's hard to commit a lifetime uh, to work with no hope of a prize at the end without some exactly like right. yeah. path or something. You know, when you're looking down the barrel of a bunch of career options and you're like, okay, am I just going to go make some money or am I going to do something cool that I totally believe in? And then also there's this other option down here where maybe I could win something cool. Like that's also cool. You know what I mean? But yeah. That's like, right. To, to not have it at all, that's rough. I mean, yeah, the thing is, well, yeah. to have it working in theater sounds great. Away. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's worse to be like, hey, we totally thought this was important. And then, psych! but yeah. like, truly, if I'm to talk about the last five years in working in professional theater from one way or another, there has been a massive shift in terms of like, 
Yes, working in theater is awesome. Yes, it is a dream come true for those of us who get to do this gig. Yes, it's deeply important to us. And yes, we're emotionally connected to it. And yes, it means a lot to us. But we still need, we still need to get paid. We still need to be treated well. This is our job. This is our livelihood. And ultimately, we need respect and we need collaboration in order to do this job. We are not lucky to work in theater. It is not lucky. It is hard work working in theater. And that hard work needs to be respected because it, it really does make a difference. And that is ultimately what this comes down to. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But one question, though. You Talk guys are getting paid? <laughs> ish. 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 Very much ish. Because I, I, I look at the net. Back and the, to back. <laughs> like, like the gross makes you want to pat yourself on the back and the net. You're like, really? That's, that's where we ended up on that one, huh? Like, yeah, oh, no. All right. <laughs> we, get a, we get a lot of net, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a lot of net. <laughs> Nothing but net. Wait. Nothing but net. <laughs> In the worst possible way. Totally. Uh, I'm of That's the opinion funny. I've I've come up with this like this this uh life life theory. It's like the the triangle of of uh of work, the harder, faster, stronger, whatever it is. Um it's uh I got to either like the people, I got to either like the job or I got to be getting paid and it's got to be two out of the three otherwise it falls flat on my face. That's and right. So and how did I land you on that gig we did a couple of weeks ago that maybe checked one of those bucks? I favors. Man. You burned you know, up all your favors, Andy. <laughs> and so I really I will like say, you. I, there you go. I was going to say that was the one I was hoping on. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? As no, I so to, to I I I to their credit, and I should have said this in the intro. In is one of those people that if you have to go into into battle in a. a in a quick, dirty, like, situation in a theater, there's nobody better to have by your side and at your back than Ian. And Ian helped, nice. helped save the day on a on a show I was designing of, uh, just a few weeks ago. And I go, Ian, would go, not Ian, have gotten go, through go, intact Ian, and alive go, without Ian. Go, Ian, go, Ian, go, Ian, ha- Ian has saved me more times than I'm able to count, literally. I cannot, I cannot count the number of times that I've been like, Oh, thank God, Ian is here. It's going to Andy, be fine. Andy, we're interviewing a guy that had to be saved thousands of times. What were you thinking, bro? You were like, "This is guy's this guy's awesome," but thousands of times. No, Come on, I'm, man. I'm not thinking about it. It's just my so it's okay. It's, it's, oh, it's oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's tens of thousands of times if we if we ask all of yeah. them. But like, we, we yeah, it would have been like a Hollywood Squares episode if I got all the associates that <laughs> saved Hollywood Squares episode. There, 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 there was there was some volleying for who would get to come on. I mean, come on with with yeah. Lindsay Jones, Malkovich the second, right in the middle there. Just right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to say. Um, um, by the uh, way, yeah, I'm I mean, gonna I, need Sean's little um, little song there as a as a ringtone file or something. <laughs> like you're gonna have to ship that over to me. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember. Awesome. I remember the first time Lindsay, because we'd known each other online, yeah. like even back in the early two thousands, and I was working for Wondering at the time. Yeah. And you had some sort of esoteric Keylab problem or yes. SFX problem. It might have even been SFX at the time. It might have been that long ago. Yeah. It's oh probably true. Uh, and it, I want to say it was at Pace, maybe. Yeah. And I walk into the room, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, Lindsay! Like, finally get to meet you in person." And he looks me dead ass in the eye and says. It's probably my fault. 
stuff just happens. Okay. There's like things, things. Okay, that's break the mark of a I'm true here. pro, though. That can, that can look at it and go, like, yo, man, I. I totally fucked this up. Okay. And I need some no, no, help. Back know, me out of this, up, bro. Like, elect- electro- electronics hate me. It's probably just me. I swear to God, you guys, this is the truth. When I die on my tombstone, it's going to say, Lindsay Jones, it was working until you got here. Like, it's the number of times. There are, I'm still baffled because you and Alex Newman have done a show together, and I don't know who thought that was a good idea because you both suffer from that affliction. And, it's like, I don't know. Everything works great. Then I show up and then shit breaks. And then everyone's like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, it's me. You know, it's me. I just walked in the room. I like, I don't have to touch anything. It's not like I'm like hitting anything with a hammer or anything. It's just, I walk in the room and things fall apart. That's what happened. Oh my God. Lindsay, I'm going to apologize already for the clothing line and sticker line Andy and I are about to create on your behalf that says it worked until Lizzie Jones got here. That's exactly right. We're going to sell like 2.7 trillion copies oh, of it. That's and going on the T-Public shop yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Dude, there you totally. Go. I'll, I'll cover my next 10 years of TSDCA dues in a couple of days. <laughs> well, I suppose there's one way to benefit from this. Uh Lindsay Jones shopping tips, travel tips, and also, by the way, here's your stickers. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Very nice. I mean, I have stickers. They're good stickers. We could we could do some some serious sticker damage. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. It's very true. Yeah, Ian might have the one of the cooler sound logos I've seen lately. Oh yeah, totally. As I saw, Ian got some stickers made, and I was like, I was like, I need some of it. In fact, hold on, I have. Oh yeah. Dude, oh, I just wow. got yeah. I just that's, got some of Andy's stickers. Oh, dude, yeah. that's sweet. That's that's his yeah. sound monkey designs. Oh, I want Derek. I want one. Yeah, I want okay, one. I can arrange that. <laughs> I got uh, I, I got some of those Rick Roll stickers that Andy makes the QR codes that that Rick Roll people. It's been pretty funny. I gotta admit, like just that's people amazing. showed up and it, you could just hear like out of the corner of the other side of the room, just <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> That is that is for better or worse going to be my lasting legacy in the audio community. That's excellent. That on your, your tombstone is Andy. He was a good sound human and also son of a bitch. That's amazing. <laughs> God damn it, Andy. That is so good. God damn it. Oh, man. Okay, I so actually don't have go, a Lindsay. Rick Roll sticker. I'm going to need a Rick Roll sticker, will, too. So Yeah, I, will, I, I have new ones. I will make sure you get one next time I see you. Um, Great. Lindsay, I can't, this kind of, this got teased earlier. So before yeah. we let you go, what's the mattress story? All right. <laughs> I'm now going to tell you a very famous story is of it, mine. Is this PG-13? I mean, this is an audio podcast. It is. It is PG-13. Right, right, right. I mean, right, like right. you guys have been swearing like sailors, so I think we're fine. But nevertheless. Hey, fuck um, you, man. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I'm going to edit just a string of beeps into the episode just for shits. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> All right, so I told this story. I this story happened to me, and I ultimately, uh, I, well, I'll tell you the story as it goes. Okay, so one night I'm working in Chicago, and I have to start the next day in Milwaukee, right? And so um, I drive from Chicago to Milwaukee. I get to Milwaukee around two o'clock in the morning. I'm checking into this hotel, which I will not name, but many of you will probably know it when I describe it. It is an old hotel that was built in the 20s. And it is very much like the hotel in Barton Fink, right? Like at some point, it was probably a really nice hotel. And now it is a much more rundown hotel. So I go into there. I get the key from the uh, desk clerk. It's like 2.30 in the morning. 
I walk up the four flights of stairs to get to the fourth floor of this building because there are no elevators. I get to the top, I put my key in the door, I open the door, and inside the room, there is nothing. There is no bed, there is no furniture, the room is completely empty. Uh, Nice. The only thing that is in the room is a phone. There is a phone in the center of the floor. So I walk over to the phone, I pick it up. I've seen this movie. Yeah. I call down to the front desk and I say, um, he he says, uh, front desk, and I say, hi, uh, I'm up in my room and there's no bed here. And he says, are you sure? And I said, well, uh, well, yeah, I know what uh, beds look like, and there isn't one up here. And so he says, all right, well, come on back downstairs. So I go back downstairs, and I go to the front desk, and he says, give me your key. And I show him the key, and he goes, that's the right key. Let's go. So we take my bags, and we walk back up four flights of stairs again, back up to the top floor, get to the room. We open the door. He walks in the door. Same thing. Still no bed in the room. The only thing is a floor in the center of the room. And he goes, huh. There's no bed in here. And I said, I know. So then. That's what I've been trying to tell you. So then he starts looking for the bed, right? Like he's looking in the closet. Like he's, he's going to find it in the room. Like it just yeah. disappeared someplace. He's it's like, hiding. It's play hide and go seek. Like, Marco. How large oh, is it in the, he goes in the bathroom. Is it in the shower? No, it is not. It is. There's no bed in here. And I'm like, hey, man, listen, um, I can appreciate that you'd like to figure out what happened here, but it's late and I got to work in the morning. So. What if you just put me in another room? And he said, well, you're supposed to be in here. And I said, well, I know, but there's no bed in here. And he says, well, that's not my fault. And I said, well, yeah, but it's not my fault either. And he's like, well, I can't. Uh, I, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to have another bed. I, and I was like, look, I think I'm just going to go stay in another place. And he's like, well, okay, I'm going to have to charge you for the room if you leave. And I'm like, you can't charge me the room. There's nowhere for me to stay in this room. And he's like, I can't. I can't rent this room out after you take off because that's unsanitary. And I was like, you can't have someone stay in this room after I take off because there's no fucking bed in here. There's no bed in here. There's nowhere to sleep. So he's like, whatever, man, I got a health coat. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I go back down to my car. I drive out to the day's end and, um, I sleep the night, it's days in by the highway. The next day, I call back to the hotel and I talk to the manager. And I got the manager on the phone and she's super apologetic. And she says, I'm so sorry about this, sir. This is the last time this is ever going to happen. And I hang up the phone and I think, wait a minute, the last time? <laughs> like it's happened before? Like, like they miss, they're missing beds often? What's happening here? So... I came to find out eventually that the whole thing was a scam that was being run by this desk clerk. Like he would actually trick people into spending night not spending the night, he would pocket the money and then then they'd have to run funding money back another way. So the whole thing was a scam. But about two years later, there was a, a contest on Facebook. And on, it was like, tell your craziest travel story in 500 words or less. So I wrote this story out and I put it on Facebook and it was sponsored by uh, Four Point Sheridan. So I type out this story and then I try and get all my friends to vote for the story. And sure enough, I won this contest of the craziest travel story. So I'm going to get a big cardboard check, which I have right now in my garage. <laughs> and uh, so they say, hey, listen, we'd love to throw you a party to, to, to give you your check. And I said, great. 
So I go down to the Four Points Sheridan at LAX in Los Angeles. And um, and there's no bed in the room. There's Wait, so <laughs> they give me the check. They take pictures of me with the check, right? And then they say, oh, hey, we've got one more surprise for you. So they take me out to where the pool is outside. And around this pool, there are these cabanas that are all around the pool, right? So they take me over to this one cabana and they open it up and they said, we've got one more thing for you. And they open it up and it is a full queen size bed with bedding that is from Sheridan Fornborn. So they go, we thought you'd need an extra bed. So we're giving you this bed. And that bed is now the bed that my daughter sleeps in every night in her room. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. astounding. <laughs> that's awesome. There you I go. Never, I never heard the end of it. I never got the yeah. the the mattress the actual mattress for your It's daughter. a great bed. Yeah. Thank God for Sheridan Four Points. I'm a huge fan. Nice. <laughs> Plus you got all your miles and points and everything, so it's, it's great. It's just all Works out great. They paid me. And I, so the whole thing worked out good in the end. But uh, yeah, that hotel, I've had to stay in it since. And every time I'm like, oh God, there please let there bed. be a bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, please let there be wow. a bed. <laughs> Like no, that's no the, repeat offenses, no no reoccurrences. Not as of yet, but you know, hope springs eternal. It, it, yeah, right. it kind of blows my mind that the like I took the this is the last time that will happen as like this is the first and last time, but that it actually was like no, this has actually happened before. And we're yeah, sorry. right. Oh we're God. not doing this again. <laughs> but also, like, how did he manage to like wrangle a room without a like? That's actually impressive. That's I forgot to tell you a key part of this story oh, though, because no, yeah. halfway through this story, he says to me, he's like. Well, how do I know you didn't steal the bed? And I'm like, why would I? How? Where am I going to put it? I steal the bed? Like, <laughs> in, what in, is, the, in the three minutes between the yeah. front desk and here, how did I sort this freaking thing? What is wrong with how you? Do I you steal the bed. And he was like, well, maybe you threw it out the window. <laughs> like, Probably the window that doesn't open, right? Like, what yeah, the, the window what? that is about the size of a normal window that yeah. does not fit a mattress under any circumstance. I put a king size bed out a regular window. Are That's you, right. Are you insane? This is like the, the yeah. weird, like, flip side of the Mike Burbiglia sleepwalking. <laughs> That's exactly right. Instead of him going out the window, it was the bed. <laughs> it was always oh the bed. Oh, my gosh. It was always the bed. It was I mean, always the real the friends were the beds we were missing along the way. Yeah, indeed. Um. I've, I've, I mean, I feel like we're coming to, coming to a natural stopping point. Um, Fair enough. Is there, I mean, it's Lindsay, an hour and a half, any, bro. Yeah, I mean, any last uh, tips or words of advice uh, you want to throw out to listeners, Lindsay? Um, you know, feel free to contact me. Come through lindsayjones.com and and say hi. Uh, I'm always happy to talk to people and give more advice to anyone who's interested. Um, and uh, and please visit tsdca.org if you're interested in theater sound. Um, there's a great community there, and we'd love to have you. Andy awesome. and I'll be there. We need all the help we can get. There you go. Yeah, and and I I will vouch that Lindsay is incredibly gracious about random text messages of hey, uh, th- this airline flies where I want to, but I've never heard of them. That's Should correct. I run? And typically run. the answer is if you have to ask Lindsay that question, the answer is run. Yeah, run. but uh, he's he's definitely helped me out more than once with with silly travel questions, and is always super gracious and responsive about it. I'm always happy to do it. It's kind of like a puzzle, and let's face it, I'm not getting any sleep anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> Welcome to the club on that also, one. Also, <laughs> like sound sound questions too, like you know, esoteric sound questions work too. Not not only I try. travel. Lindsay's how Lindsay's I, pretty. How good do at, I make it sound good? Sound is. Sound. <laughs>
I've, I've saying, been asking uh, myself do, that do question wanna, ever since. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you want to do you want to leave listeners with one uh, fit, favorite like recent uh, free plugin? Oh gosh, you know I'll tell you this. My favorite. Oh, so I'm going to talk about a music instrument um, that is available for contact. It is called the Leeds Town Organ. Um, like for the longest time, when I was trying to make music, if I needed a church organ for some reason, the sound of a church organ. Every single church organ that I would try were terrible. They were terrible. And then uh, there's this one called the Leedstown Organ. Um, if you look it up online, I can't remember who who puts it out, but um, you'll find it. It's free. Um, it works in contact or contact player, and it sounds great. And I highly recommend it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. You bet. <clears throat> And that about wraps us up. So uh, once again, thanks for listening to Signal to Noise on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. I'm Andy Levis. With me is my co-host, Sean Walker, our lovely guest host, Ian Denio, and our amazing guest, the incomparable Lindsay. I am not freaking John Malkovich Jones. Yeah. <laughs> As always, we're brought to you by our sponsors, Alan and Heath, Rational Acoustics, and RCF. And don't forget, pack snacks. And if everything else fails, just remember, up is louder. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye.